Welcome back to another episode of the DNA Airwaves podcast. I am one of your hosts, Anthony. And actually, today I'm your only host. Our friend Ricky had a family emergency he had to run off to, so keeping him in his prayers, but forward still, we're moving today uh, in his absence. I'm joined by a, a wonderful guy I've just had the privilege of meeting now, Mr. Dennis Pasley. So uh, this will be a fun chat. Looking forward to speaking with you, Dennis, and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this as well. It's been a long time in the making. I'm glad yeah, we're able to make that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that uh, today's the day. Um, despite all, despite all odds, we were able to make it happen. I definitely didn't want to have to cancel because of the situation with Jariki. Um, so yeah, we'll power through, and hopefully, you'll get to meet him at another time. We'll get together in person sure. and, and do this again. Um, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. So you were actually recommended uh, to me by a mutual friend of ours, Kezia Myers. He was doing a lot of big things around the city and actually around the country. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a high recommendation. Anyone connected with Kezia or anyone that she refers for anything is usually going to be the best of the best. So I'm excited to chat, man. Um, yeah, she's... She's a fantastic person, um, oh, did yeah. all sorts of great things in, in the BIPOC community. And, you yeah. know, before that, uh, I, I met her through my wife, who was working at SoCan, which is the Songwriters right, uh, yeah. Association. And, um, yeah, we just crossed paths in so many different ways the last little while. Um, I work for the Musicians Union, and oh. we've met at like, a few engagements that way. And, gotcha. she, you know, she's, yeah, she's, she's great. And she's everywhere, it seems like. It's similar for me. I've uh, I've run into her a few times recently, too, at just different events and industry happenings mm. throughout the city. Usually she's coming from one, heading to the next one, and just kind of like <laughs> passing through. But hey, she's on that level. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Kezia. Kezia. I actually played at her. I played at her wedding. I had to just double-check that fact before I made a mistake. But yeah, I did. So oh, you were a musician? I didn't, okay, so hold on. You're a musician as well? Okay, so we're going to flip this back to me for the moment. Okay, let's yes, go, yes, let's yes. go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes we have, like yourself, we've just met, and uh, as much as I'm here to learn about you and share with you, you're also like, who's this guy? So, I am a musician, man. I play bass. I play bass. So I'm a Amazing. musician, a uh, music director at my church over a couple of campuses, Kennedy Road Tabernacle. Amazing. And... Uh, as you know, a major part of what we do, but still in that a small part of what we do. Um, but music definitely is a vehicle that um, has been used and greatly so to connect us. Um, so, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Musician, uh, co-host of this podcast, uh, entrepreneur, and get to talk with great people like you. So consider myself very blessed and privileged. And back over to you, Dennis. <laughs> Yeah, so I am also a musician. Uh, I play saxophone um, yes. uh, for a number of different ensembles around the city and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I also work for the union. I'm a business rep at Toronto Musicians Association. Nice, nice. Uh, um, so very much involved in the negotiations of the CBAs and whatnot, which has kept me quite busy the last little while. Yeah. But I've also um, found time uh, the last few years to uh, work on an initiative with a friend of mine, Graham Matheson, uh, called the Toronto People's Library, and that was right. essentially to try and highlight the works of Indigenous and Black authors. Um, reason yeah. behind that specifically is because of the time 
the time when uh, when we decided to do it, it was just a really hot time in the city, hot time around the world. I mean, uh, yeah. with the George Floyd stuff, and you know, I just felt like the only way we can see see some sort of a change is by you know initiating it ourselves. You know, Absolutely. we can't wait for people to do it for us. So right. this initiative was about you know giving people the opportunity to read stories from, you know, black and indigenous authors mm. in the moment where the moment demanded it, right? Like we need, yeah. we need to know the people that we are around. We need to know the Facts. people that we, that are in our communities. And, yep. you know, the marginalized communities are always the ones that seem to be the last to get recognized, right? We live in a Facts. society where, you know, the reflections and everything around us r r reflect uh, European lifestyle and, sure. you yep. know, if you truly want to know the history of Takranto, you'd have to speak to the First Nation. Uh -huh. You'd have to speak to the Haudenosaunee. You'd have to speak to the Wendat. You'd have to speak to the Mississaugas of the Credit, because that's mm -hmm. the true history of Takranto. And, right. you know, for me, uh, yeah. being a black man, I know that the weight and burden of this particular localized community falls on us. You know, this is the, we, we the the weight and burden of the Toronto society falls on the the backs of Black people and have for you know yeah. generations, you know, yeah. centuries. So, you know, until we can actually get to the point where we can you know properly articulate these stories correctly, right? Um, I don't think that we're ever going to be able to repair the broken society they live in right now. So this is a very much localized initiative. Um, it kind of went more national just because of you know our relationships with some of our friends and whatnot right um but ultimately this was about like let me i guess i haven't really told you what we did essentially what we did was <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we decided we decided we, we designed a t-shirt okay that uh for the toronto people's library um which is our initiative that had the names of um multitude of black and indigenous authors on the back and what we did was we we're going to sell the t-shirts for about twenty dollars and use all of the proceeds to buy books to put in libraries and you know from mainly from the authors that we had on the back but not just yeah. you know not just them right okay, okay. and the reason why I wanted to do that, why we wanted to do that, it's not because these libraries, the library systems don't have these books. It's just that at the moment when you want the access to these books, you know, you know, the, the moment that we're talking about, you know, the, obviously the, the uh, we had the residential school is issues. You had right. like obviously the George Floyd thing, all these things were happening in the media and whatnot. Yeah. You yeah. know. At the at that particular moment, I feel like everyone wanted to hear the story. There was a hunger for people wanting to learn about these things, right? That's true. And then yeah. you go to the yeah. library, and there's like these crazy holds. Like you can't get a book, you know, from Paul Robeson for another year, you know. Yeah, like yeah. and you know, the energy it's of the nuts. moment demanded that people need to hear this stuff and read this stuff no. now. Use yeah. the energy of the moment because, as we all know, like the news cycles flip so quickly. You know, exactly. you know, it's on to the next, on to the next. Oh, the sight of the so, mind, right? Right, exactly. So you just you want to use the energy of the moment to affect change immediately. So, you know, all we really wanted to do was maybe sell two hundred T-shirts, use that money to help alleviate some of the stress in the libraries. And right. from there, that was I very much grassroots, everything about it, like even down to the names on the backs of the shirts were, right. you know, crowdsourced and, um, you know, very much grassroots. 
if we would have reached just 200 shirts, we would have said mission accomplished on to the next. But yeah, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. We started to figure out more things about the just the need and whatnot. Like uh, in the northern parts of uh, of, uh, of Ontario, specifically Sudbury North. Uh, there's about 45 library systems for the First Nation community that are severely underfunded, like <laughs> severely underfunded. Wow. Uh, so much so that if you wanted to, you know, say, for instance, Toronto Public Library wants to donate a bunch of books, you know, to one of these library systems. Yeah. They are so severely underfunded, they can't even pay to get the book shipped. That's terrible. Wow. Free books shipped. So Free books shipped. You know free books ship ship wow. to them so like that ha- when we heard that we're like well we have to find a way to you know yeah. at least facilitate that right like help help with that as well so that's what we're in the process of doing right now trying to uh you know develop redevelop the partnerships with the, the northern libraries and whatnot and use that as sort of like the launch pad for the other things that we want to do but yeah it's it's been difficult to be able to be honest with and like yeah what a massive hole to fill gap to fill yeah and responsibility too but i mean well as you were talking i was just really taking that in because like you said like it falls on our backs right um it's easy to get up every day and move forward but missing the history all of that almost means nothing like people went through hell and worse to get for us to be where we are today and that's something that we take myself and i could see it in you too you take very seriously um it's not that we're living in the past. I know I've heard that before. Where it's like you have to move forward and all that ignorant stuff that people say. But just as a culture, right? Like even just sharing the stories, bringing the awareness and keeping the names in the forefront is helping to move us forward in a way that if we don't, what happens? The history gets wiped, right? So, yeah. It's just, hey, you, I don't think that you see any real change because, like, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but I, I had people, like, especially during the, you know, the 2020, summer of 2020, I had people that I barely had relationships with reaching mm-hmm. out to me like, hey, man, are you okay? You right. know, looking for something to, you know, like, I, I had stories. One guy messaged me and he's like, yeah, I remember that time when we were on that tour bus together yeah. and this guy said this, he used the N-word and whatnot, and I, I really wish that I would have spoken out then. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not, you know, like, don't look for me. Don't look for me to, like, help your feelings, you know. Work through that on your own, you know. Right. Like, because yeah, that's basically wow. what they're doing. They're looking for somebody it to, turns you the tables know. right back. Yeah, to give them some relief because they realize how, how critical the situation has been. Right. And they didn't know what to do. So, for me, this is more about giving people the opportunity to learn about these stories, learn about our history in right. Toronto, learn about our history as people, right. you know, and you can't do that without re- retracing the history of the indigenous. You can't do that without understanding the true struggle of, you know, black America, black Canada. Right. You know? so, exactly. Yeah. So that was what that was about, you know, more so than, you know, and yeah. of course, redefining what it meant to, to learn, you know, to learn again. And cause wow. you, you yeah. look at our, even our school systems right now, I mean, I was a part of another thing where my my high school, one of the teachers thought it was very, you know, it was, it was okay for her to use the N-word uh, while teaching To Kill a Mockingbird. 
Oh, and man. she's like, she, she said it in the classroom. She was just using it very liberally. Yeah, and, yeah, okay. you know, you know, I heard that and I'm like, well, she didn't even really get the true meaning of that book, you know? So how is she qualified to teach it? Wow. You know what I mean? So, you know, through much months of consternation and effort, you know, she's no longer in, in the school system anymore. But not only that, they're not teaching that book in the school anymore because clearly the message that was supposed lost, to be yeah. hidden in that in that text mm -hmm. was lost. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, it's just about redefining how we learn, I think. That's big, man. That's <laughs> that's deep. That's deep. And it's just the beginning, I think, no matter how hard well, I mean, guys like us, we're just gonna have to play our role and do as much as we can. As much right. as we do, we know the work is not going to be done. So hopefully, uh, as we move forward in this, we bring more awareness and get more people on board to sort of, uh, you know, pick up and, and get it done and keep that in the front of people's minds and educate mm -hmm. everything else. And I think you're right. Um, the last few years, the climate really did change. And it was, there was a point where you felt it and it was all, you know, it was... It was undeniable. There's tension. Well, it was unescapable too. Unescapable. Like, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. You you think about like how, you know, like it's this is not like the George Floyd thing was um um uh, one of many instances where this has happened. The reason why that had such uh, a a moment in time, how that you know just caught everyone's attention, is because they mm -hmm. had nowhere to go. People couldn't right. go to the bars. People couldn't yeah. turn off turn off the TV. You know, like we were yeah. confined to our homes and right. had to see that that footage over and over and over and over again. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you know, there was nowhere to go to escape the reality of what had happened. So that's a fact. Yeah. You know, it's it was very different from any not not in its not in its the severity or not in the, the the feeling that you get seeing that happen i don't think that that's changed amongst you know black people of color right but i think it changed in that we were unable to there was no escaping the, the reality of it like we were forced to to deal with it in a real way right you know and yeah you know not just us but you know as a society as a as whole a society so, yeah because i mean right. the so, media pushed that uh, social media, it was everywhere. So you're right. There Absolutely. Was no there was no escape. You know, like <laughs> this, this foolishness, like, you know, you had things like people putting up black squares on, on Instagram, you know, and yeah, you know, it, it was, it was almost like things like that. I, I mean, it was very much, uh, performative to me because Definitely. you can put the black square up and then the next day you're back showing off your fashion Nova outfit and stuff like that. You, you're not really embracing the message just by putting a black square up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does At the same really time, if you didn't do it, you were very insensitive to the algorithm and very insensitive to the moment if you weren't. So right. it just seemed weird to me. Like if you really wanted to show that you have some sort of a solidarity and understanding of what's happening, you, you, you need to do more than just put up a black square. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, know? you need to understand. And, you know, <laughs> Right. It just didn't go far enough for me. Right. You no, know, I, I agree with that. And I think that's a part of the reason why the work that you're doing has to continue, because like you said, no one's going to do it. It's not going to get done. So it's going to take that initiative. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I we could talk about that all day um, yeah. as we should. But I guess that as massive as it is, it's still just a small part of you, uh, the mm -hmm. work that you've done and are doing so. If you don't mind, I'll shift gears a little bit and switch over to sure. a little bit of that. And then uh, sure. definitely want to keep this conversation going. I don't know that you know, but we part of the reason that uh, Kezia actually referred you and thought we should get in touch is because we started 
we're part of an organization called Black Music Canada, and a part of that initiative is actually archiving the work of people, the contributions of uh, people, pioneers of uh, Black music in Canada. Um, so that's the piece of it, and we're really working hard to just bring the awareness to the work and contributions that have come before us to kind of get us to where we are now, and that, that in itself runs deep. Um, mm -hmm. Another part of that is educating, uh, so getting into the libraries and other uh, public spaces to educate people on black music, black prioritized programming and things like that too. So we'll definitely talk further on that. Um, right. I am interested though in your career as a musician, because mm -hmm. just in this, what, 15 minutes so far of chatting, you're obviously a lot more than a musician. I know that most musicians, <laughs> all musicians are. You get put in this box, which is sort of changing now in recent years, but you're put in the box as this. You play an instrument, this is what you do, you perform. And when you start talking to a gentleman like yourself, hopefully people listening are like, it goes way deeper than that. But yeah, yeah I ahead. mean, I don't really consider, like I play saxophone for a living. I, I get a lot of work right. that way, but. I always, I always consider myself to be a professional creative. Like I do, that's it. Yeah. You know, I do a lot of things. You know right. that are, you know, you know that entail either playing saxophone or otherwise, right? Like, of course. Um, I started out many years ago playing in a in a you know a hip hop funk band uh, called Pocket Dwellers. Yeah. You know, whatever. We did some stuff for a while. Yeah. Um, from there, I met, I made a lot of connections uh, within the music community. Um, started playing with a band called Bedouin Sound Clash. Really good friends of mine, and nice. we've developed a relationship from there. Yeah, uh, played with them for a little while, and even as that relationship sort of like started to flourish, I started to find other bands within that sort of like, you know, that sort of like that space. Right, and started working with a whole bunch of other uh, acts, um, talented artists from South Africa. Zaki Ibrahim um, worked with her for a little bit. Did some stuff with uh, who would be there? I have my own horn section, Northern Soul Horns, which yeah, is just yeah, basically yeah, yeah that, that sort of thing. Uh, I work with the Arkells. I've done stuff with Ride the Tiger. I've done stuff Dang. with this band called U.S. Girls. Um, I've done work with Johnny Reed, who's like a sort of like a pop country, you know, Canadian yep. artist. And yeah. yeah. So I, I've kind of I've kind of like tried like and this is kind of why I kind of consider it more as a professional creative more so than mm -hmm. just I play. Cause I, the, the genres that you that you cover is just it can it's far reaching right yeah, so right they say that the board. Yeah. as soon as soon as somebody says here's me play saxophone they assume that you're just you know you play jazz yeah, and of course musician. i do yeah. i enjoy it i yeah. love it but it's not all i do i try to like you know take on as many musical um endeavors as i can as i'm afforded and i've been fortunate the last little while to just have some opportunities to do that well, um, see, currently nice. doing some work with a, a, an incredible artist um, Ian Kamau uh, for Illuminato. He's got this incredible piece called nice. Lost that is um, is uh, it's being performed now as we speak nice. uh, during Illuminato at um, uh, Harborfront Center, and yeah. it's basically just his uh, his um, his way of, of of expressing how 
the Afro-Caribbean community deal with loss within gotcha. their family, how okay. he's dealt with loss within his family. It's mm. really moving piece. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, lots of things that I, I do musically. I just try to Dynamic. spread myself as far as I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess jumping even like all the way back, uh, mm. when did you know that this was the path? Like, did you, in, in, were, how, how young were you, I guess? when you decided that I wanted to, you wanted to follow this path? Was it first I don't think that I ever made or? a decision. Uh, okay. I don't think I ever made a decision about when I wanted to be a music. I, I kind of just went, to, I went to school for music. Okay. And, you know, that was kind of like, you know, it was just, you played in high school, you feel, you know, you're, you know, you, you enjoy being in bands, you enjoy yeah. being in the band and playing saxophone and stuff like that. And then from there, you say the next step is probably, okay, I'll just go to post-secondary school. I'll go to to Humber College and I'll, you know, study music there, you know, and see what happens. But I don't think that I ever made a decision to say, like, this is what I want to do. It was kind of like as things started progressing, you know, you you start seeing the the roadway just kind of like writes itself as you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think initially what I was thinking was maybe I would go into teaching or something like that. And which makes sense. After, yeah. after like a couple, after a couple, uh, two years in school and like teaching privately, I realized that I'm not a very good teacher. So right. So I ended up, uh, you know, starting a band with a, a friend of mine. We went to high school together and then we started a, a band in a, our second year of, of college together. Okay. And then from there, you know, the band started picking up momentum steam. And then, you know, the further you go with it, the harder it is to go anywhere else. Right. So that's, you know, true, that, yeah. was, that was pocket world. So we just continued to roll down that path until, gotcha. you know, the gears stopped rolling. So yeah, that, that's essentially what it is. I just basically fell into music more so than made it a career plan. Yeah. 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 No, I, I get that too. Similar for myself, but I've spoken, I'm mm-hmm. sure if you guys have as well, spoken to some people who just knew, and this is this is the path they're following, and yeah, right. so it's always interesting to ask that just to see sort of how you make the road by walking. You know, you just make mm-hmm. the road by okay. walking. There you go. <laughs> right. That's yeah. essentially what it is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That is that's a fact. Um, and then obviously, just opportunities and doors open. Like it, right. working in this creative space is just it's it's unlimited. The uh, the possibilities are just unending, really. There's there's two things that I that I've come to understand uh, mm-hmm. through just through the last few well many years. One, it doesn't matter how much talent or potential you have; it's always about how hard you work. That's the first thing. Right. And secondly, I would say that you you don't necessarily um, how am I gonna I, I gotta find a way to articulate this correctly. Okay. Um, you don't. Um, the work you do as a musician is always the more you do it, the more it produces. You know what yeah. I mean? So like mm-hmm. if I used to go through like, you know, mad anxiety where, you know, you play, you have a couple of gigs, you know that you have a month of work secured and you're like, okay, cool. I'm cool for this month. Right. But then once you get through the mid, mid part of that month, you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? You know, how am I going to, you know, I got pay bills to pay. And then, you know, my mantra through all of that was always just like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to take care of itself. It's, right. it's everything's going to be okay. And again, I think that that only comes when you start to realize that the more you do it, the more you do music, the more yeah. you do art, the more you you use your creative energy, yep. the more it produces for you. Right? That's you know. That's so true. 
you know, you, you, if you, if you continue along the path of just creating and that process, the work will find you, you know, that's big. That's, that's basically what it's been for me the last little while at least. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, one of the biggest, uh, I guess maybe hindrances for some, like some people avoid getting into the creative art space because of that, right? It's, uh, you're taking it all into your own hands essentially. Um, and that is, that weighs very heavy when it comes down to finances, um, Absolutely. And, ahead and the consistency of that versus like a weekly salary, especially in the early stages. I mean, after time you get to navigate, you meet different people, you get a different opportunities where you have, you can turn this into multiple streams pretty easily, but that takes a little bit of time. But initially that's a big challenge. And one of the biggest things that I have noticed can really take away from the creativity is, I don't know if I want to say lack of faith or confidence, but just in focusing on money overall, when you're focusing on getting well, paid, you know, the love of it isn't really coming through. And yeah, they, that's, they that's really the conflict. Though, right? You yeah. know, like if, if even just, like say we live in a society where basic needs are birthright. So food, shelter, water covered is your birthright. You're born, yeah. this is what you're guaranteed, right? Right. What would people be doing with their lives? I know I'd still be doing music, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's true who I am, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, so I don't think that you the money and security aspect doesn't stop you from being an artist, right? True. Yeah. And you know, you should always like of course you have to make ends meet and you have to do other things sometimes yeah. to make it so, but yeah. The the life your life force is art, you know, if that's what if that's what it is that you know your calling is and right. you have to find a way to yeah. continually work that and work that and work that, you know, because yeah. you know, it's almost like the the idea of um you know, being Superman, but having to wear your Clark Kent, you know, your Clark mm-hmm. Kent outfit, you know, but like in truth, you are Superman, you know, you, this is your art is, is your, is your superpower. Right. right. And then yeah. you have to do, you have to do things, you know, like go work at the, the, the Metro globe or whatever he was working at, you know, and be a writer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or, a, you know, a reporter because yeah, that's yeah. pays the bills and whatnot. But in truth, you have to be true to who you are, and that is your art, right? And, That's true. You know, That's huge. Big thought. It, it's, it's just I, I know so many people like that have that have a true calling for art, but that have to make their life work, and the pursuit of the you know the the money and security mm-hmm. has kind of like kept them from being you know from flourishing and whatnot because you're not doing what you love right? and like. You know, they talk about midlife crisis and stuff like that with people. And, like, I think that that's what that, that comes down to. Like, you're just not – you feel like you're not doing what you were called to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You've yeah. you're, you're been locked into this idea of, like, money and security all the whole time, right? That's, that's, that's a fact, yeah. And then one of the – I guess one of the measures of are you doing what you're supposed to be doing and called to do is – I mean, and just a real measure of do you love what you're doing – is for me would you do it for free um and that's not to say that you're going to go day to day playing music or creating for free because that's crazy but there are opportunities like this podcast right this is an extension of that art and that creativity that we jump on and we're you know we're creating content still and there's just those you know what i'm saying just those little things that are part of it where it's not all I'm getting paid for this. I'm getting paid for that. Because once you get sucked into that, you end up right where you just mentioned, right? You're not happy with what you're doing. Um, 
Yeah, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Like I understand. Like there, there is a passion piece. Like uh, when you when you do something, uh, when you do something like art and music and whatnot. Like yeah. the passion has to be there first. True. And you know, you you find that you take on work that speaks to that passion a lot if you can, right? But yeah, I mean, the stuff that feels like work to me is the stuff that I'm not necessarily passionately connected to right you know i'll do it because i have to i have to make money i have to go you know like it's important to be in front of people show showcasing your talent not right so i'll I'll do certain gigs that may not speak to you know what is true about me as a musician as an artist you know but that stuff feels like work that's the work right but that work allows you to do the things that you really enjoy to do right like yeah i mean like I say that now, and the last little while, everything that I've done the last little while has been very much feeling like work, you know, with the exception of right. the stuff that I'm doing right now with Ian Kamau and whatnot. Like, yeah. for the most part, I've been working at music. Work, and there are right? seasons where you have to go through that Absolutely. to get to the next level, too. And actually, Absolutely. as you're talking, I think just an extension of what I said initially, um, mm-hmm. it's not even just showing up for things that don't necessarily pay, because that could seem extreme and maybe foolish in some people's minds. But I think what it really comes down to is it I'm there for 15 minutes and done or are you going the extra mile and truly giving all of yourself? And I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's sort of more what I was trying to say initially. It's just no, I feel you. when you I feel when you. you're there, the passion piece and just operating in your true light, really. There's no, you know, it's not just get the job done and go home. It's it's you. It's your it's your truth. And um, yeah, that's just need to get that off my chest. It feels better. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It's been uh, it's been really great to talk to you, man. There's a lot more that we want to dive into with you. So we're definitely going to have you back when Dricky's around. And also, I'm going to connect with you offline to, to talk a little yeah, deeper about some man. things that we can do to support uh, the work mm-hmm. that we're both doing. Um, but for now, if you could, just let people know where they could support your work. Um Shout out your socials, upcoming projects, all that good stuff. Uh, uh, well, I have been working on a new record. I, I started working on a new record in December. Okay. Um, but, you know, a lot of that has just been like it's now just being edited. And like I said, I've been working the last little while. So right. <laughs> the stuff that I want to do, you know, a little bit, you know, it's kind of been pushed to the side a bit. So yep. I look out for that. It's, okay. it's, it's probably going to come, probably looking to release something like that in the fall. Um, I mean, it'll it'll be on socials, you know. So um, uh, okay. I'll let people know. I'm just yeah, yeah, keep I'm easy to find. Dennis underscore complaints department at on on Instagram. Dennis P on 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 Facebook, you know. Uh, so yeah, so the Toronto People's Library is on Instagram and whatnot. You can find lots of links there to some of the amazing um, authors that we worked with there. Um, nice. So that's great, and ultimately, yeah, my horn sections on online as well. The Northern Soul Horns, or on Instagram and whatnot too. I don't really do the TikTok or anything like that. Too too tough, but okay, fair you enough. know, it's a lot to keep up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and just not enough time, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> just uh, yeah, just look out for that, and um, nope. yeah, I'm doing this performance with Ian Kamau as I mentioned. Uh, during Illuminato that runs to Sunday. It's a really, really moving piece. If people, nice. you know, can catch wind of it and, and want to come out, it's it's great. You know, I, awesome, I recommend man. it highly. Yeah, so that's, that's basically where I am right now. All right, love it, man. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, sharing some of your time with us, man. I really appreciate it. 
No problem. Until next time. Yes, indeed. All right, take care.